The following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly as we talk about all the happenings that have been going on in sports over the past week. I am your host, Steve Kent, and I am joined on the line, as always, by Lou. Uh, If you guys want to call in tonight and talk some sports with us, you can call in at 657-383-1308. We have a lot to cover tonight. We got the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs currently uh, underway in the first rounds of each respective sport. And actually, we're pretty close to the second round, I believe, in the Stanley Cup playoffs now with certain teams getting off to some surprisingly big leads in the in their series so far. Uh, we also have some news on Julio Jones. Could Julio Jones potentially be on the move? We have some more about Deshaun Watson. And also, I have a little bone to pick with uh, with the WWE when it comes to their most recent crossover thing that they just did last week. Uh, but once again, the number is 657-383-1308. Lou, how are you doing tonight? All right, Steve, a little hot, though. Other than that, okay. Yeah, it's uh, – I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing. It got, it got up to, I think, around – Around what ninety degrees or some somewhere uh, in yes. that ballpark, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So you know, in, in case uh, in case you may hear any any static or something uh, going on in the background on on my end, I've got the fan uh, going back and forth here, so uh, it's entirely possible that uh, people people listening in may may be hearing some static or uh, or background noise going on. Uh, yeah. On my end, because it is ridiculously hot. I mean, I woke up this morning, Lou, absolutely, uh, absolutely sweating. I mean, it it, so did I. it it wasn't funny whatsoever. No. Uh, but you know, speaking of hot, we do have quite a few quite a few hot teams right now in the yeah. Stanley Cup playoffs, and. I figure we might as well get started with the Stanley Cup playoff discussion sure. for this week because probably the biggest shocker, in my opinion, out of all these series is the fact that Boston holds a 3-1 to one series lead over the Washington Capitals. Boston. Yes, I'm surprised at that, too. I was expecting a much better series than this. Well... Let me put it, 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 it has been close, even though it's a 3-1 yeah. series lead. Last night's game was by far the biggest blowout so far this yes. uh, so far during during this entire series. And honestly, it should have been a shutout if it wasn't for if it, if it wasn't for uh, Washington getting a goal off of the stick of, yeah. uh, of Brandon Carlo. That ended up redirecting in. Otherwise, if Carlo hadn't put his stick there, it would have missed the net. Uh, right. But I saw that play. It really seemed like we had we had Ilya Samsonov coming in and playing his second straight game after dealing with COVID, 
And for the first two periods, he really seemed to be on top of everything. He was really solid through two periods of play. Then all of a sudden, it was like the wheels absolutely came right off uh, to start the third. I mean, I... I don't know exactly what the uh, what the issue is. Maybe he feels a little rattled after being, mm. after being basically berated by uh, Alexander Ovechkin following the mm. double overtime loss. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if you caught it as the uh, as the game ended. Uh, yeah. Ovechkin was seen swearing in Russian to somebody off screen and apparently it was to yeah. uh, Samsonov because of the fact right. that he normally normally when you're a goaltender the smart move is to not attempt to play the puck when it goes behind you right and what did he end up doing he tried playing the puck which was a rookie mistake it, it, it you know we're going to we're going to see this from young players but it was definitely a rookie mistake uh, by by the young goaltender, having played in just his first game in about two to three weeks, because of uh, because of the COVID issues that he was going through, right? And you know, honestly, I think if anything for Washington, you got to get you got to give it up to their uh, to their lower lines. Their third and fourth lines have really shown uh, have really shown up so far this series. Yeah. But honestly, what do you think has been the biggest surprise on both on both sides uh, this series, Lou? Well, like I said, it's been it's been rather physical too. I mean, you know, Wilson, of course, being as dirty as he is, you know. So I really can't say surprised. But I am surprised though that you know that uh, Washington, you know, isn't you know isn't uh, holding a much on. On defense, I mean, their defense has been really has been really horrible. Yeah, and you know, I kind of think we have seen uh, one one particular person. Uh, I even though I hate it, I hate it this much because he was the Bruins captain for so long, Zdeno Chara. I think Chara. we're starting to see we're starting to see why Boston moved on from him after la uh, after last season because. Boston has just been skating right by him this series so far, and if anything, uh, you know the the lack of speed showcased by him has sort of uh, you know sort of affected his decision making to the point of where on one occasion there was a, there was one play in particular where he was planning on potentially challenging. Uh, one of Boston's one of Boston's forwards as they were as they were moving into the the Washington zone. However, he then instead chose to move back all of a sudden because he was afraid of giving up uh, giving up an odd man rush if he made the wrong right. if he made the wrong uh, you know the wrong stick move. And yeah, I think I think it's it's little plays like that where starting to see a bit of a difference in Washington because I honestly I, I will say this you know defense hasn't really been their problem their problem this season was the goaltending 
The fact right. that they went from having Braden Holtby, who – and I still don't understand why they got rid of him. Maybe it's because they just didn't want to pay him. But Holtby Which is often was the case. not – Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, Holtby, Holtby won the Stanley Cup, and I believe he's a former Vesna Trophy winner as well. And he's still considered to be, you know, an elite goaltender, even though now I think he's playing backup to Thatcher Demko uh, out mm-hmm. in Vancouver. You know, it's, it's, it's really odd to me because I still considered Holtby to be one of the better goaltenders in the league. And the fact that they decided to move on from him out of nowhere and instead go with uh, with Ilya Samsonov as their as their starting goaltender, and of course the emergence of uh, Vitek uh, Vanacek this year as well has has played a factor. You know, it, it just really seemed odd to me to begin the year that Washington would move on from what made the from what made. Uh, all their success these these past couple of years, and not just that, but you also take into account the Jacob Rana trade that they made that brought uh, right. Anthony Mantha into town. And honestly, you know, Mantha last night one of the one of the penalties that was that was taken by the Washington Capitals was Mantha basically steamrolling into Tuka Rask. Uh, I guess he was trying to make a play or something. I, I, I really don't understand right. even up to this point why he no. did what he did, but he basically almost, he, he basically almost beheaded him. I guess you could, you could kind of call it. That's not what we thought, but I get it. It, it. it just seems to me that, Obviously, game four was a must-win for Washington. And when they saw it getting out of hand, they then decided to resort to thuggery and trying to manhandle uh, the Bruins uh, in a a physical type of way. And like you said, this has been a very physical series so far. And one of the the, – impacts of the of the uh upping of the physicality was the loss of Kevin Miller last night who no doubt had a, a uh, suffered a concussion off of the Dmitry Orlov hit and I want to get your thoughts on that Luke because I I I uh I assume you ended up uh you ended up seeing the game yes I I did what yeah. did you think what did you think of of them downgrading Orlov's hit from a major penalty into a double minor. No, I think it should have stayed major. That, yeah, because I saw the him like, yeah, that's, that was pretty violent. There, I think I think it should have been a major. I mean, you know, a double minor is only four minutes. I mean, he should have got maybe a, a major than that. I think he got off a little bit too easy. I mean, that was a, it. Should have been a, a major and a game misconduct. Whenever you're head hunting like that, you know, whenever you're head hunting like that, yeah. it should be a major and a game misconduct. I mean, you know, just the fact that he had to leave his feet, he had to leave the ice or, you yeah. know, by, by jumping 
to make contact uh, for a hit. That right there tells you he was headhunting. Right. So I, I, I seriously don't understand why they downgraded it to a double minor. Because no. not just that, it was a double minor, but then they also gave, I believe, Charlie Coyle ended up getting a penalty for coming to the aid of Kevin Miller uh, in, resp- in response to the hit. So Charlie Coyle ends up getting a two-minute two penalty for unsportsmanlike – or was it – wait, was it Carl – was it mm-hmm. – Coyle or Carlo? I forget. I think it might have been Carlo actually, because I it was Coyle. Uh, Carlo got Carlo got a penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct, for retaliation basically, and essentially all it all it turned into was a two minute minor. Essentially, even though it was considered mm-hmm. a double minor, obviously one of those minors gets canceled out because of the unsportsmanlike conduct call. Right. I mean, it's it's a flat out disgrace. The way that, and, and you know, this isn't the only series that has been impacted by referees. There's, a matter of fact, the Vegas Golden Knights game tonight. Uh, there was a goaltender right interference now. call. Yeah, there was a goaltender interference call. I believe it was on Vegas, which just the slightest of of touches in front of the net apparently was enough for goaltender interference. I mean, it's flat out ridiculous. It is, which I'm seeing right now. Yeah. It's, it's just flat out ridiculous, but starting out, starting out this series, uh, Washington ended up winning in overtime three, two Boston then came back on Monday, uh, Monday night with a four, three victory in overtime. Then in double overtime on Wednesday, Boston emerged with a 3-2 victory following a error by Ilya Samsonov. And also, you can kind of put some of the blame on Justin Schultz, one of their defensemen as well, because he could have very easily yeah. played that puck, but he decided to he decided to move away from it, and instead, Craig Smith sneaks right in uh, gra- grabs the puck and ends up slipping it right from right from behind uh, Samsonov, and then of course, uh, you know Alexander Ovechkin has that gigantic breakdown mm-hmm. and ends up berating his uh, his young goalie, and then obviously like we saw last night, uh, Boston finally opens up with a four to one. Uh, a four to one thrashing of the Capitals because let's face it, last night was all Boston. Yeah, there wasn't really any, you know, no, there wasn't really any signs of life from the Capitals, uh, from Not the Capitals' all. offense. And as far as leaders so far in this, uh, in this. The series, Alexander Ovechkin leads in goals with two goals as well as assists with two assists. Uh, Craig Anderson, surprisingly, the 39-year-old, now 40-year-old actually, uh, as of a couple of days ago, Craig Anderson is leading in save percentage with 92.9 percentage in, in, uh, in saves. Uh, this is going to bring up uh, a discussion 
obviously with a must-win game five, it's, it's win or go home for yeah. the Capitals. Oh, let me get your thoughts on this, Lou. Do you think it's best for the Capitals to stick with Ilya Samsonov or should they go back to Craig Anderson? Go back to Anderson. Might have a chance with that. And it's you know it's it's definitely something to look at because Anderson kept them in in game one, and he kept them in game two until until of course Boston because because of the uh, because of the fact that uh, his reflexes aren't aren't what they used to be Boston was able to get that snipe uh, in overtime in game two. And then, of course, they ended up going to Samsonov with game three. But, you know, other than that, the the two games that Anderson played for Washington, uh, despite even coming into game one cold because of the injury to Vanacek, he was superb this series so far. So, it, it kind of brings up the uh, you know the the discussion. Do they go with Craig Anderson, who only played in three regular season games this year, uh, because he was mainly basically a depth a depth goaltender essentially. Right. You know, do they do they go do they go with a player who played in three games this season, but or I'm sorry, four games he helped you. Uh, in the first two games of the playoffs, or do you st- or do you stick with the guy who was basically your primary goaltender to start off the year? Mm-hmm. And actually, well, actually, hang on, let me let me let me let me check real quick here because I forget if Samsonov was the starter or if he was the backup because. Uh, eighteen. Yeah, no, he was the backup. Wait, no, thirteen, four, zero, oh, and one. Yeah, in, in only eighteen games. Yeah, he was the he was the backup. So, uh, Vanacek ended up becoming the starter for the Capitals. Do you go with the aging goaltender who has proven to be effective this offseason, or do you do you stick with Samsonov and hope that he's able? to pull himself back together because don't forget mm. before that third period collapse, he was pretty solid. That's true. Maybe I go with him. You know, if yeah. He's that solid. A, you know, I think I would. Honestly, that's where I would probably go. I would probably, I would probably stick with Samsonov. Hope that he can, Samsonov, that right. he can brush off. The uh, that he can brush off the game four loss because that you know this kind of shows you the type of player that this person is going to be with how they deal with adversity. It, obviously, if he comes in into game five tomorrow night and he looks completely shell shocked, then yeah, you're going to want to pull him quickly. Yeah. But if he looks composed then, you know, maybe there's at least a chance he can keep you guys in the game yeah. to where, you know, to where it's still winnable. 
Now, on the other side, we had Brad Marchand leading the way for the Bruins so far this series with three goals. Uh, Charlie McAvoy leads the way uh, in assists with five assists. And Tuka Rask with a 93% save percentage. And also, virtue of last night's victory, Tuka Rask now becomes the new franchise leader in all-time playoff wins by a British mm. goaltender, surpassing Jerry Cheevers on the all-time list last night. And, and no, that's another, that's another storyline, Lou, uh, to talk about here is Tuka Rask, he's clearly, on, you know, he's on the last year of his contract. And yeah. the biggest thing has been with the emergence of Jeremy Swayman this, uh, this past year, with the limited amount of time he's seen, he, w- he went like seven, seven, three and one, I think, in the, uh, the limited yeah. time that he saw. Uh, since being called up because after Yaroslav Halak ended up uh, going down with COVID and obviously, you know, Tuka ended up having some struggles early on as well. You know, that brought up the discussion, is it time for the Bruins to move on from Tuka Rask? And yeah. I think from what we've seen so far this pre- this postseason, maybe perhaps, it was a little too quick to make those uh, to make those suggestions. Two nothing Vegas because Tuca because Tuca so far has been playoff Tuca. Yeah, and they actually did. They did an interview. Uh, the Athletic did an interview with Jerry Cheevers uh, uh-huh. over the phone. And he said he expects that we may, uh, you know, Tuca is probably one of the best goaltenders in the playoffs right now. Yes. With with the level of performance he's putting up. So what what are your thoughts, Lou? Do you think you know one one of the biggest criticisms is that Tuca has always been a regular season performer. But when it comes to the yes. playoffs, he always ends up choking choke in the choke biggest. Artist. Yeah, he, yeah, he's. Uh, you think he, you think he's a choke artist? Yes. Well, I hate to say it, but you know, just because you can dominate the regular season does not mean you're going to be the same in the playoffs. And Rask has shown that he is not dominant in the playoffs. However, with the emer, you know, I, I, I'm kind of wondering if maybe perhaps. The past couple of years, you know, his playoff performance has mainly been because of the fact that he hasn't really been challenged by another goaltender, you know, to where his spot was in jeopardy. Whereas now, you know, people were calling for Tuca's head at one point, Mm, saying he was past his prime. You know, he didn't. He he that he, he didn't have. Uh, he didn't. He didn't have uh, anything left in terms of of uh, of meaningful production. You know, when it comes to the playoffs and whatnot, and that the Bruins should stick with the young gun in Jeremy Swayman. Yeah. And you know, Swayman he did earn 
the opportunity to be the backup to Tuka Rask in the playoffs this year with because of his stellar play down the line. Uh, but do you think that maybe uh, even though he has a reputation for being a choke artist in the biggest games, is it maybe a little too soon to consider Tuka's time over with in Boston? Mm. No, no, I don't. I mean, he's had a chance to prove it, and he's not delivering when it counts, so I don't think it's too soon at all. I think they're going to have to do something. Well, considering he's he's entering the free agent market this year, assuming yeah. that the Bruins don't re-sign him before free agency officially opens, you know, you're you're looking at there's probably going to be a plethora of teams who are going to be on the uh, in in his market to try and acquire him to try and sign him because considering considering the short amount of time that he played this year, he still did put up potential Vezina numbers. Even and, though. Um... even though, you know, he's not one of the finalists this year for the Vezina Trophy, he did kind of put up uh, Vezina Trophy-like numbers late in the season. Well, wait, which one of the, which one of the players that I think – there was one Boston player that bolted during the middle of a playoff series – um, was it Rask or was it Chara? No, it was Rask. Chara. Rask, that's what I thought. Ch- yeah, R- Rask, but that, it, it was mainly because something, I guess, his explanation was that something happened with his daughter back ah, home well. that, he, that he felt he had to go home and deal with. And a lot well, of people understandable, he of course. Just, a lot of people believe, though, that he just he just decided to quit because of the fact right. that That's COVID what everybody was thought. going on. You know, because of the fact that COVID was going on, uh, a lot of people yes. felt that it was an easy out for him, basically. Mm. Yeah, because a lot of people were thinking, oh, he quit. I mean, how can you quit your team and move a playoff run here? And, you know, they, they didn't take it very lightly. You know, I thought the same thing, but after uh, hearing the the reason why, I think he had a pretty good reason why he had to leave. I mean, his daughter was sick, so um, and he was thousands of miles away. I mean, what do you what do you expect him to do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's slack. Another thing too is don't forget they were in a bubble. Basically, they were playing right. in a playoff uh, in in a, in a bubble down in Orlando. Or wait, was it? No, it wasn't in Orlando. Uh, it was in Canada. Toronto for the East. Well, yeah, it was in Toronto for the East and Edmonton, I think, for the West. So yeah. they were playing up in Canada which reminds in the me, NHL bubble. Um, which reminds me, with June 1st around the corner, uh, have they made any progress on what to do with the situation in the later playoff rounds yet? Because I have read nothing. Yeah, I have not heard a single thing yet. Uh, I assume uh-huh. what they're gonna do. I assume what they're gonna do is they're gonna they're gonna do things based off of divisions first. So, the Scotia North Division, for example, all the Canadian teams 
the winner of the first rounds will face off against each other. Uh, the same goes for, you know, the, the same goes for basically every division, like the uh, the Mass Mutual East, the uh, the Discover Central, and the Honda West divisions. And then once the divisional winners are officially known, then when it comes to the conference finals, that'll I don't know exactly because because the fact that there's not really a conference final this, this is how it this is how it appears right now when I'm looking at the bracket on nhl.com so you have the let me see you have the Honda West division up top with Colorado, St. Louis, Vegas and Minnesota and you have the Scotia North division on the bottom with Montreal versus uh, versus Toronto and Edmonton versus Winnipeg. From what it looks like, the winner of those two divisions, the, the winners of those two divisions would face off in the conference finals on one side. And the winner of the Discover Central between Carolina, Nashville, uh, Tampa Bay, oh, and Florida would face the winner of the Mass Mutual East between Pittsburgh, New York Islanders, uh, Washington, and Boston for the other side. Right. And then those, and I then, mean, you know, I whoever don't want you to play in a bubble, but, you know, I think that's what you might have to do because you got to make a decision quick. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you'd resolve that pretty quickly last season, but you're having a hard time this year. I mean, my understanding of it so far is the fact that states are starting to loosen up. Although, obviously, with Canada, it might be a different story. Uh, It might be a different story with Canada, but with states currently loosening up uh, restrictions and whatnot, you know, there really shouldn't be much much of a problem. But I, I assume, you never know. Yeah, but I assume because the fact that that the NHL's headquarters is in Toronto, I believe, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. I'm pretty sure they've probably had discussions with the Canadian government uh, in they terms actually of have. allowing. They have, they have made some discussions, but you know how they leave out certain details, of course. Yeah, uh, obviously, yeah. You know, you, they always leave out something, and they don't, and they don't, you know, give us the whole story. So, why is this being any different? Yeah, I would assume that as soon as it gets closer to, you know, yeah. conference final time, because I mean, let's face it, they would have to put, uh, they would have to put tickets up for sale for the right. conference finals and stuff to do uh to yes. do advertising and stuff like that. I would assume that the closer we get to it, we'll probably find out more. Obviously, well, they the want Canadian, an answer by June 1st. The... Ugh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um You know that's what? I don't know then. That's a, that's going to be a big problem. Yeah. And especially considering the fact that the North Division got started late. 
Yes. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to go because uh, from my understanding, Canadian teams aren't even allowing fans into the stands. No. Like, they're not even having limited capacity because uh, – Actually, this brings up an interesting uh, an interesting thing because I was going to get yes. to this uh, I was going to get to this, but John Tavares of the Maple Leafs he ended up Ooh, having yeah. to get stretchered off the ice last night following a major collision. Uh, he ended up taking uh, a big hit from Ben Chariot, and then he got caught with an inadvertent knee by Corey Perry, which obviously, you know, it wasn't on purpose. It was on accident. Perry was trying to get out of the way. And, you know, it's very hard to do that when you're, when you're coming at full speed down the ice. Uh, And Tavares ended up taking a knee to the head by Corey Perry. Uh, Did try to leave on his own power, but he ended up having to be restrained by the medical staff and his teammates, and he ended up getting stretchered off the ice. And one of the one of the things I saw on Twitter last night was the fact that they were commenting on the fact that uh, what what sort of adds to the gloominess of that moment Mm. is the fact that fans weren't able to be there. Yes. Yes. I mean, to to provide any sort of, like, there was literally silence because of the fact that there were no fans there. Right. Or could they expect. When normally, when normally you'd hear, like, you would hear uh, unrest coming from the crowd, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just made for such an eerie silence coming from coming from the stands when normally there would be there would be concerned fans, uh, you know, making a li- little bits and pieces of noise coming from the crowd. So, you know, as far as far as when it comes to uh, to the Canadian teams considering the fact that they have to get something solidified by June 1st. I mean, I haven't heard anything new, so I'm not exactly sure that they're going to be able to do that. So they might have to go into a bubble potentially. Mm. Yeah. Either that or they're going to have to, uh, I assume they're, you know, they're currently working on it right now, obviously with the Canadian government to where they yes. would allow maybe perhaps what they would have to do is, you know, teams would have to, would have to be restrained to just being in their hotel rooms. You know, they couldn't, none of their players would be allowed to go out uh, would be to go out amongst in order to avoid any potential uh, any potential spreading of the uh, of the coronavirus. Yes. So I don't know. Uh, you know what? Before I forget, there I meant to get your thoughts on a couple of things last week okay. uh, before oh. you ended up signing off. Um, and it has to do with the New York Rangers in particular uh, and Tom Wilson, actually. 
Tom oh, yeah, Wilson. That's smart. Yeah, Tom Wilson. He ended up uh, knocking down uh, Rangers star Artemi Panarin multiple yes. times to the ice during a fight. And yet Wilson, not only did he not get penalized for that, he also received only a $5,000 fine for punching an already Got away with murder. Kyle Buchnevich. Got yeah, I was, I, was, I, was about to, I was about to ask, Lou, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because considering you've covered Got the Rangers, me. it's absolutely Wilson ridiculous. Wilson has become the, a dirty player. He's become the dirtiest player in the league. I mean, he, does, he, fights, he fights dirty. And you know he's he's just completely he's completely brutal. I mean he should be he should be suspended of all the damage he's done. And what about last night's game? He was at again with, with the Bruins. I mean he yeah. has caused more yeah, fights. But, you know, I thought Ty Domingo was bad, but this I mean, but Wilson I think has overtaken that now. What? A yeah, he tried to, he tried to get into it, I believe, with Nick Ritchie last night. That's who it was. Right when things when things were starting to get out of hand. Uh, in terms of the score, it was like three nothing at the time, and and Wilson decided to try and take things into his own hands and uh, try to get try to lure Richie into a fight, which obviously was you know was very quickly broken up by the referees. Uh, but let me tell you, you know Wilson may be a tough guy, but Richie ain't one of those guys that's just gonna back down. From uh, you know any confrontation, Richie's probably one of the tougher Bruins. The most mind-boggling thing of this whole thing is the fact that Wilson, he has precedent. You know, he has previous suspensions. He has a history. He's never learned. And the fact, and the fact that he was not suspended for this, but yet Nazem Kadri got suspended for eight games. He got suspended for eight games with a history, uh, with his previous history, uh, due to an illegal check to the head of of, uh, Justin Falk of the St. Louis Blues Mm -hmm. uh, the other day. Yeah. I don't know what he said after that. Wilson? But yet Wilson doesn't get suspended? Yeah, he should. I can just imagine what Wilson was saying after that. You know, I I know he commented on it, but I, I forget mm-hmm. exactly what he had. I forget exactly what well, he had said. I do know that he commented on it. I think he said "fuck." I think he said "fuck you." So first of all, oh, oh, that's bad. He, you get the joke, but still, I mean, he is. Yeah. He's got. He has become the NHL's most dirtiest, brutal player. I mean, I have colleagues in Washington, no offense, but Wilson has pulled some of the most heinous, um, heinous action in, I think, uh, hockey history. I mean, he Honestly, doesn't fight there, there. there hasn't been somebody there hasn't been somebody that bad since Matt Cook, Pittsburgh. Right. Oh, and we remember sure. how we remember how Matt Cook ended. We remember how Matt Cook ended the career of Mark Savard. With his infamous uh, concussion hit. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just find it laughable, first off, that 
the NHL Department of Player Safety is run by a former enforcer now in George LaRock. Some enforcer. Yet he still can't – he can't even, despite having played the game before, he can't even uh, get down appropriate suspension uh, – you know, appropriate uh, – what's it called? Um, hand downs, mm. whether it's suspensions or fines or whatnot. I mean, okay. you know, Kadri I can kind of understand because this isn't the first time he's been suspended for a lengthy amount of time during the playoffs. I mean, it right. happened uh, – it happened during one of the seasons that that uh, Toronto had to put, had to face Boston in the first round. Uh, you know, it's happened before. But ooh, Brook, the Brooklyn Boston game starting to get out of hand here. Brooklyn's starting to pull away in the third. Good, uh, sixty-five good. Like to fifty-seven. Like um, well, hey, Boston was doing it earlier. Yeah, Boston. Boston was uh, surprisingly. Uh, they were in the case of whoop ass. Uh, they were really limiting Brooklyn's three point shooting uh, yes. early on, but things have started to have started to fall apart here for the Celtics right now. Sorry. Um, yeah, you know what? I know. It's it's just these. It's almost a double standard in the NHL with this whole yes. like okay. It, it, it sort of reeks of preferential treatment. Like, oh, we can't, we can't have, uh, we can't have anything. Alexander Ovechkin's opportunity, you know, to potentially get back in this series here. So we need uh-huh, to make sure uh-huh. all of his, all of his teammates are out there. Well, that reminds, well, that reminds me. Um, just to switch gears for a second, because, um. The Atlanta Hawks uh, intern coach Nate McMillan was saying that, oh, well, how the league wanted the Knicks in the playoffs, and a lot of calls are going to go in their favor. And you know, he was shooting with his big mouth like, oh, we're not going to, we're not going to get the calls and whatnot. You haven't even played a game yet in the series, and you're already projecting what's going to happen with that. I mean, I know he's a coach, only intern coach, but what gives him the right to say that? What kind of an idiot would would, would say a remark like that? Well, I think if I recall correctly, there was bad blood between the two teams. Uh, you know, the, the further the further that the uh, that the NBA season uh, came down to the wire, I believe there was a bit of bad blood between both sides. If I recall uh-huh. correctly, true, so, true. Honestly, that that does not surprise me at all, uh, especially you know. with Nate McMillan, considering considering how he used to be uh, with Portland, with the Trailblazers. So that doesn't really surprise me at all when it comes to when it comes no, to No, it him. shouldn't. But you know, I mean, to say that, you know, it's like, oh well, they're gonna play favorites, and we're gonna get the short in the stick. Well, a lot can be said about maybe back in '93 when the when the Bulls beat the Knicks, they gave all the calls to Jordan. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it it has to do Which with uh, you know if you're if you're a big star if you're well, the bigger uh, the you're star you are you're just a bunch of you're just a bunch of you're just a bunch of shitheads so we're gonna give it we're gonna give it to Jordan whether you like it or not yeah you know you know it's like the bigger the bigger of a star you are the yeah. the more calls you're gonna get to fall your way basically right and you know it's kind of this kind of a uh, Surprisingly, or ironically, this is bringing us back to hockey here. Uh, 
considering huh. we have another ass hat, uh, uh, Greg Craig Berube of the St. Oh. Louis Blues, uh, you know, the Stanley Cup winning coach of the St. Louis Blues, he's now complaining yes. that uh, that the referees are being one-sided against the Blues in their series with the yeah. Colorado Avalanche, even though I heard. through three games, through three games, they've been outscored 15 to 5. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. There's no favoritism going on here. You guys just suck this year. And you're running into a, into a buzzsaw. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be, that would be like me uh, complaining that Brooklyn, with their big three, uh, that Brooklyn's getting all the calls against the Boston Celtics. No, that's not no. the problem. The problem is the Celtics are a number seven seed who just barely got into the playoffs. And honestly, I that's still right. believe to this day that I still believe to this the 76ers would have been a better matchup for them. Uh, yes, you know, it's just when you run into a buzzsaw. Like uh, in this case, it's Colorado, the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's, it's almost expected that you're going to get swept, right? Because I mean, they got a they got a youngster in Miko Rantanen. Uh, obviously, you know Nate McKinnon, who at one point was a uh, who at one point was, I believe, a number one pick. I think, or yeah. or he was he was he was up there. He was like at least top three uh, in the in the NHL draft. You know, you have a lot of young stars on that Colorado Avalanche team, and I mean, when you compare it to the St. Louis Blues, you know, it's almost old versus old versus young, basically. Where the St. Yeah. Louis Blues, you got you got Ryan O'Reilly, David Perrin. Uh, you know, you got Vladimir Tarasenko. You know, you guys aren't exactly youngsters, you know? No. And also, when you take a look at the analysis of uh, of this past season, the Avalanche had – they averaged first in the league for goals per game with three and a half goals per game. And they gave up – uh, an average of 2.3 goals per game. They were first in the league in point percentage with 73% of their games. They got at least a point. And also, uh, when it comes to power play and penalty kill percentage, they were eighth on the power play out of the whole league, and they were eighth on the penalty kill out of the whole league. Yeah. So, you know, this it's not like the Blues are facing a team that they should be winning against. This is a team that is a juggernaut in the Western Conference right now. Yeah. You know, and I know, I know what Barubi's doing here. He's bitching and moaning like he did in, two, in 2019, where all of a sudden they get more calls, and then and then St. Once he starts bitching, St. Louis finally starts getting more calls to go their way, and then they miraculously come back in the playoffs 
and end up uh, and end up advancing to the Stanley Cup Finals, where they win the Stanley Cup in seven games over Boston. We've seen this we've seen this story play out before. I'll tell you right now, I would not be shocked at all if his little bitching and moaning got to the refs and. Now all of a sudden we start to see St. Louis miraculously come back because of so. because of calls going their way. In my opinion, though, the Blues just suck this year, plain and simple. Yes. They do, and that's why they're down three games to none. I mean, just, let me just let me bring another example here. For yeah. leaders, Mikko Rantanen led the, led the avalanche in goals this year with 30. The St. Louis Blues leader was Ryan O'Reilly with 24 goals. Mm-hmm. Philip Grubauer led the avalanche in wins with 30 wins as, a, as their goaltender. Jordan Binnington was the leader for the St. Louis Blues with only 18 wins. Uh, let's see. Well, actually, this this next one isn't really isn't really much of a much of a comparison. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention the uh, assists and points. But you know, basically, the the whole thing is is that you know if you're gonna bitch about the refs, there's either two things that are actually gonna go, that that is actually going on here. Either a you may have a legitimate case, or b you're just playing against a better team. Yes. And that's what's going on. That's what's going on uh, in, you know, when, when it comes to Atlanta versus versus the Knicks, obviously they haven't started yet, but, you know, that's, that's probably what Nate McMillan is worried about is the fact that, you know, the Knicks had this surge – coming down the line and the fact that the Knicks, they are, they're actually, you know, they're the number four seed here. So they're going to, yep. they're going to have the, the home home court advantage in this first round. You know, he's probably worried that he's going to be another first round exit. Just because, because the Knicks are the better team, at least on paper. Yeah, you and me don't go by what's on paper. You know who knows, right? But uh, you know, going to some of the other, some of the other rounds here. um, The New York Islanders—they just tied up their series with the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes, tied up two to two by virtue of a four-to-one victory over Pittsburgh today. Uh, obviously, the, uh, you know, th- this is a, this is another another example of a team having spread out, you know, spread out uh, performances. The leader in goals for the Islanders so far has been Kyle Palmieri with two goals in this series. Right. For the Penguins, Jeff Carter, very shockingly, in my opinion, Jeff Carter has been the leader in goals for the Penguins with three. And actually the leader in points with four. So, 
you know, in all honesty, this is probably best case scenario, specifically for my Boston Bruins, because I'm, I am a little biased here, but I would rather have of the course. Bruins face off against the Islanders as opposed to the Penguins. Yes. I get it. And if they can pull off, if the, if the Islanders can pull off the upset here, being a number four seed against the number one, the, the, the top ranked Pittsburgh Penguins, I would feel a lot more confident going up against the Islanders just based off of the season series than I would against the Penguins. But so far for the Islanders, Ilya Sorokin has really showed up. 94.4 save percentage uh, in net compared to Tristan Jerry's 90.4 save percentage uh, for Pittsburgh. Uh, what are your thoughts, Lou, on on the Islanders, you know, turning this into a series? Well, I kind of thought they would. Pittsburgh and um, Islanders, they know each other pretty much. I wasn't expecting either one to dominate the series whatsoever. So I'm not surprised. You know, Islanders have played hard all year. So um, I, I I knew eventually this was going to become a series. I, wouldn't, I wasn't expecting anything less of this at all. Yeah, you know this, uh, especially especially with them playing without Taze, as well as uh, as well as them playing without um, without Johnny Boychuk. You know the Islanders have been shorthanded on defense, yeah. but from what we've seen so far, Boychuk. you know they're they're stay they're staying in there. Yeah, Johnny Boy. Yeah, a rapidly aging Johnny Boy, might I add, uh, who honestly, you know, he hasn't really had the same production compared to no. recent years. But you know, it's it's good at least that this is actually this is actually sort of turning into a series here because I think a lot of people were were sort of were sort of believing that. You know, this wasn't really going to be much of a series, and you know, we were probably going to see we were probably going to see a second round matchup between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals. Uh, But you know, with honestly, with how back and forth that this series has gone so far between Pittsburgh and New York, I I wouldn't be shocked if this goes seven games. Because it really seems like it's been a fluctuation of momentum, basically between both uh, between yeah. both sides. Yeah, I was very anything less at all. Now, over in the Discover Central Division, we got the Carolina Hurricanes currently leading their series over the yeah. Nashville Predators, two games to one. And it really seemed like Nashville at one point was going to get back in it last night. Uh, oh, actually, no, they did get back in it. That's my mistake. They did yeah. get back in it. They won five to four in double overtime. But it was weird because it looked like they were up to nothing, I think, over Carolina at one point. And then all of a sudden, Carolina came back and scored three straight. So I was kind of thinking, here we go, Carolina, you know, you're probably looking at a 3 nothing series lead for Carolina here. And 
to my shock, Nashville uh, has ter- has turned it into a series now. And just looking at it from a numbers perspective, you know, uh, in in a, in matchups just based off of regular season series, the Hurricanes lead in every single category. I mean, goals for per game, goals against, power play, penalty kill, face-off percentage, uh, point percentage. You know, uh, apart from goals per game, they're at least in the top five in each of the other categories compared to the Predators. The Predators, they were among the worst in penalty kills. They were among the worst in goals, goals for per game. And they were also among the bottom, the bottom third of the league in power play percentage. So, in all honesty, you know this. To me, Lou, from from yes. an outside perspective, it kind of seemed like this would be an an easy series win for Carolina, but mm-hmm. it's not looking like that right now. No. Oh, you know, it's anything to be easy in the playoffs anyway. No, of course not. You know, obviously with the, with the playoffs, it you take things to a to a completely different level. Yeah. But you know, now I know those predictions we made last week. It's kind of looking a little different now, like. Hell, Carolina, you know, obviously they're – it looked like they were going to run away with it, but maybe Nashville, uh, you know, can get back in it. Uh, Edmonton, we were expecting to go over Winnipeg, uh, although I, you know, I did say that Winnipeg would have the better opportunity to go over Edmonton than Montreal would over Toronto, yet – from what we've seen so far out of Montreal and Toronto, although actually, no, never mind. Uh, Toronto did come back with a 5-1 victory today. I believe it just finished. Uh, mm-hmm. So that series is tied up at one game apiece. Uh, you know, it's the – the, the playoffs have been full of surprises so far. Yes. I think we can say. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, another another thing too with uh, Tampa Bay, they lead their series against uh, Florida three to one right now. And in all honesty, I think they'll probably wrap it up on Monday, especially with and I I had no idea he was back. Uh, Nikita Kucherov apparently is is officially active for the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Despite starting off, uh, despite starting off the season injured on the uh, injury list, having to go through surgery and everything, uh, although he is apparently injured, though uh, he suffered. I think it was a hip injury. Wait, no, wait. What did he suffer? It wasn't a no. It was a knee injury last night. Yeah. So he may be out for for game five potentially against the uh, against the Florida Panthers, but 
now knowing that Kucherov is back in there, I'm kind of putting Tampa Bay up there as a potential repeat. I think we may have our first repeat in quite some time. Because actually, you know, who who was the last Stanley Cup champion to repeat? I think it was um, no, no, no. Um, I think it was the Red Wings, wasn't it? Red Wings, yeah. With with Iserman. Ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Because I don't think I don't I don't think uh, the Devils didn't have any back-to-backs, did they? No, no. No, that uh, I, I thought. I thought at least they were they were separated a couple uh, a couple of years. They but, were. Yeah. So hang on. Actually, no, no. The last the last back to back Stanley Cup champions were the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2016 and 2017. Oh yeah. Back to back to back cups uh, for head coach Mike Sullivan. So former Bruins coach, might I add, too, Mike Sullivan. Uh, you know, with Tampa Bay having won last year and considering the fact, you know, I thought maybe things would be tough for them with them not having Kucherov for this run. But now that he is officially healthy for the playoff, I think, I think this playoff, uh, this playoff scenario may be a little different now. Yeah. I think we're potential. We could potentially see uh, a repeat this year if Tampa Bay can can uh, can continue this offensive output that they're putting out there. Mm. Well, it's possible. Going over to the north to the uh, North Division, uh, Winnipeg leading their series two nothing. You know, honest honestly, I. I said if there was going to be a dark horse this offseason or this postseason, it would be Winnipeg. Yeah. I got a feel for McDavid, though. You have all of that talent on Edmonton, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because they don't have a good enough goaltender. You know, they have the former Arizona Coyote goaltender, Mike Smith. Right. Uh I don't know if it's they if it's the fact they don't have a good enough goaltender or what, but they have so much young talent over there, and yeah. they just they're a good regular season team, but they just aren't able to put things together for the playoffs. I don't know what it is. No. I can't figure it out either. I mean, hell, Edmonton was held scoreless. Uh, last night with a one nothing win in overtime, no less. Right. So, and actually, Edmonton, so far this series, has only scored one goal through two games. So they, they, they really have to be snake-bitten or something in the playoffs with this, uh, with this talented yes. roster. So it's really surprising right now. I mean, I considered Winnipeg to be a dark horse, but I didn't expect them, you know, to be up to nothing right now to the uh, 
to the second-ranked Oilers. And when it comes to Montreal and Toronto, how big of bitter a difference, Lou? Yeah, bitter rivals. Uh, the series is tied one-to-one right now. How big of a loss is John is not having John? Oh, that's going to be horrible. You're out two on... weeks at least. Out two weeks with a concussion and whatnot. That's going to be a major blow to the Leafs. And uh, Montreal, I think, is going to take advantage of it. I mean, there's that was a devastating hit. Oof. My hair is just thinking about it. Yeah, I, that game. Ugh. But it wasn't just one hit. He first got knocked down to the ice by one player, yeah. and then came the knee by Corey Perry that came out of nowhere. Although, you know, it's, uh, it's, you can't really blame, like I said earlier, you can't really blame Corey Perry for the hit because he was coming at full speed. It's not like he could have slowed down. It was a very quick play, basically, that ended up taking place. Uh, and this last series here, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild, with right now Vegas leads Minnesota 3 nothing in game four. Vegas is, you know, I said this last week, and I'll, I'll say it again this week. Vegas, in my opinion, is one of the front runners for the for yeah. the Western Conference. The the uh, their top line of Audi Marchessault. So, uh, hang on, their 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 line of of uh, of Marchessault, Riley, and. Crap! I forget who their I forget who their center is. Um, hang on, let me find it here. It's Archiso Riley and Carlson. That's who it is. Mm-hmm. Archiso Riley and Carlson. That that line really seems to be getting things back together now all of a sudden. So I think uh, they, and they were pre- they were pretty dangerous when they were when, when all of them were clicking at once. I think we have a uh if there is one team that's going to take down Colorado in the west and this is very lucky guys it's it's going to happen it's going to happen next week or not next week next round we're going to have Vegas versus Colorado next round. Yeah. Other than that, the Leafs will be the, will be the team that could potentially uh, prevent Colorado from going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Just based off of how the bracket is right now. Uh, before we move over to basketball, I want to also get your thoughts on the New York Rangers firing their president, John Davidson, who is now back yeah. with, uh, with Columbus uh, as of this week, and also firing their general manager, Jeff Gorton. And yeah, well, they believed... expected better. We expected better after all getting the number one draft pick last year when, you know, it didn't happen. I mean, we had a, mini, we had a big slump before we took four in a row from the Devils. I mean, something had to be done, you know, in the, you know, in the front office. It's been um, – we haven't hit the um, 
Well, we did the playoffs last year, but we were uh, quick out. But that was like the first time in quite some time we uh, made it. So I think it was time for a change in the front office. I mean, Dave is, in, you know, as team president, he really didn't uh, give much the Rangers for, you know, in the postseason. I mean, the postseason much at all. So I think the move was made to fire both Davidson uh, and the uh, general manager. I think it's a, I think it's a good move on their part. Now let's just hope to see what we can get after that. Yeah, I mean, I can understand the firing of Davidson, but the firing of Gorton, who put together this well, accelerated rebuild. I, I mean, I can't really understand. I can't really understand that considering the deals that Gorton was able to swing during his mm-hmm. time as general manager. And it is believed that the reason for their firing is not because of performance. The reason for their firing is because of the team statement that was issued after the Tom Wilson incident, where the team issued a statement to express their disappointment in the lack of a suspension for Tom Wilson. And apparently the statement was put out by owner James Dolan without the knowledge of Davidson and Gorton. Sources say they attempted to distance themselves from it. And it's also believed that Dolan was looking for a change. Well, actually, okay. Yeah, it says here it was believed that Dolan was looking for a change following a, a disappointing season, and the statement had nothing to do with the decision to move on from uh, Davidson and Gorton. I would kind of think, though, wouldn't you think that maybe perhaps coaching may have been a potential problem as well? It might have been. I mean, that's another thing to look at. Of course, coaching is, you know, it may happen too. So it's really all around. The management, the coaching, all I think are factors contributing to the Rangers of business, to the disappointing season that we should have done better. And actually, they did. They did fire the coach. Actually, they fired David Quinn also. So uh, he is gone. So it, it really seems like they're doing a full on a full on rebuild, not just with the players, but also with the front office. Because they did refi- they did fire David Quinn uh, as head coach, and they brought yeah. up Chris Drury who was the president and general manager of the Hartford Wolfpack, their AHL affiliate. Right. So they, they've they now brought up Chris Drury, and they've made him the head. They, they've now made him the president and general manager of the New York yeah. Rangers. And I'm not too sure about this because, it's not like the Wolfpack have really been that successful under under Drury. You know, the Wolfpack have been pretty bad themselves. Uh, you know, uh, at least since Drury took over, the first year that Drury was was uh, was the uh, the general manager of the Wolfpack was probably his best year back in like 2014. Yeah. After that, the Wolfpack have had uh, anywhere from average to dismal seasons. So, 
I mean, that right there was, it, it kind of seems like Drury is basically a yes man to James Dolan, and that's probably yeah. why they put him in charge instead of looking elsewhere, basically, for, you know, for uh, other uh, other front office staff. All right, going to the NBA, yeah. we do have our official uh, our official uh, playoff brackets uh, underway. Mm-hmm. With obviously, of course, uh, Brooklyn currently facing off against the Boston Celtics. Brooklyn holds a three point lead, uh, eighty two to seventy nine, right now, with about seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter of game number yeah. one. Already in the books from earlier today with the Milwaukee Bucks with a narrow victory over the Miami Heat, 109-107 to 107 in, uh, in mm-hmm. overtime. Uh, thanks in large part to uh, the play of Giannis Antetokounmpo as well as Drew Holiday. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks with a 113-103 to 103 victory over the L.A. Clippers in game one of their series thanks to a triple-double by Luka Doncic. Uh, and Kawhi Leonard, yeah, he let's just say he uh-huh. didn't show up at all in the fourth quarter. You know, the, the, this is the one thing I don't get. It's one thing to talk the talk, but you know how they say if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. you got to walk the walk. Yeah. And right. Kawhi Leonard, for all the shit that he talks – yeah. He, ever since he came to L.A., he has not been clutch at all in the fourth quarter. He just hasn't. It's, you know, it. to me, I think, honestly, I, I, would, uh, I would not be surprised at all to see uh, the Dallas Mavericks basically pull away with this series because – the Clippers suffer from the same problem that they dealt with last year, and that's the fact that Leonard and Paul, uh, Paul George, both believe they're above the rest of the team. And it's the same thing, you know. It's the same thing that we've seen that that, that we've seen that we saw last year. Right. Um, now, when it comes to the play-in tournament, we had the Boston Celtics face off against the Washington Wizards. The Boston Celtics uh, decided that they didn't want to play the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round. So instead, right. they ended up defeating the Wizards in the play-in tournament uh, to advance to face the Brooklyn Nets. Luckily, yeah. though, the Wizards, you know, it kind of makes me wonder if Washington took it easy in that first game and they thought that they would have had a better chance against either the because when you take a look when you take a look at the at their game against the Pacers I mean the Pacers outscored the Hornets by a significant margin but then the Wizards outscored the Pacers by a significant margin I mean it wasn't even close no I mean, it was, yeah, it, it just wasn't even close at all. So, you know, the 
that, that that's basically that's your eight teams. You got in the first round, you got the 76ers taking on the Wizards. You got the Nets against the Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks against the Miami Heat with Milwaukee up uh one nothing currently over the defending Eastern Conference uh champions. And you have the Knicks taking on the Atlanta Hawks, which actually, you know, adding on to a little bit of the rivalry here, Lou, uh, the Knicks and the Hawks, they tied for regular season record. The main difference was the season series with the Knicks uh, holding the advantage over the Hawks. That's kind of, I think that kind of leads more to what, uh, you know, to what the uh, Hawks coach was complaining about. I think he feels like the the refs are going to, are going to play, uh, you know, are going to call their games sort of like how they did this season. And obviously with, with Atlanta losing the season series, that obviously puts them at the disadvantage. So I think that's probably what he was bitching about. Right. And, you know, I got to hand it to the Knicks. You know, they – I saw a graphic uh, a couple of games ago. I think they were playing on ESPN. And one of the the biggest differences in the Knicks this year was the fact that their defensive ratings have been off the charts. They're in. They're in exactly. at least the top five when it comes to defensive ratings amongst teams. That's true. That's what's good. That's what's keeping them in the games. And I mean, actually, Tom Thibodeau. He, Tom Thibodeau is uh, one of the finalists for Coach of the Year, and deserves it. Although, if. Uh, I, I forget. I forget what. I forget what. Uh, what organization already released their coach of the year? But yeah, they, well, they gave the it. To, they gave it to. They gave it to Monty Williams of Williams. the Phoenix Suns. Yes. But I don't know. I kind of think that Tom Thibodeau, even though Tom Thibodeau is one of the finalists for uh, for the official um, coach of the year. Uh, you know, I should be. I, I I think that that Thibodeau is one of should be uh, one of the mm-hmm. or should be a, uh, at least if not, he's already in the final three for Coach of the Year candidate. I honestly think he should be in the top two. And then, yes, but in all honesty, it's probably it's probably going to go to either Quinn Snyder of the Jazz or Monty Williams of the Suns. In all, in all honesty, I think it'll probably go to Williams, mainly because of how big of an improvement we've seen out of the Suns this year. If I'm wrong, though, I would like to see Thibodeau take it. Yes, I know. Uh, for the Sixth Man Award, we have three contenders. Derek Rose of the New York Knicks being an option. Uh, we also have Joel, Joel Inglace and Jordan Clarkson of the Utah Jazz being the other two options. Now, this right here, I think, should be a definite win for Derrick Rose. 
because out of those three, I believe he has been the best performer off of the bench with the huge games he's put on this year. Also, the Knicks are in consideration for most improved player as well with uh, Julius Randle representing the Knicks. However, he does face stiff competition in Jeremy Grant, though, of the Pistons, who put up gigantic numbers uh, this year compared to his previous years. And he's also up against Michael Porter Jr. of the Denver Nuggets. I don't know, though. I, I do think that Randall uh, has a, a potential a potential good chance of uh, of winning that. I think if he does lose it, it'll probably be to Grant. Yeah. Uh, the Kia NBA Defensive Player of the Year, you got Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz, Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors, or Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers. Honestly, I don't even think there's really a choice here. It's probably going to be Gobert. Yeah. Maybe Draymond Green. I I just don't see it being Ben Simmons. Now, here's, here's a potential big discussion here, Lou. The rookie of the year. You got LaMelo Ball, who missed a significant portion of the season due to surgery. You got Anthony Edwards. You got Anthony Edwards, who granted didn't really, I mean, he could have had a better season considering he was number one overall pick. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the Timberwolves, they weren't even anywhere close to playoff contention. And then you have Tyrese Halliburton of the Kings, who put up a solid season, but I mean, do you think there's a possibility that Ball could potentially win Rookie of the Year despite playing a shortened season? I never thought I'd say it, but yes, I think he does have a chance. All right, honestly, honestly, I think they're probably going to go with Edwards because of the fact that he's the number one pick, and you know the go. Ooh, what a nice hip in by the by Brooklyn just now uh you know just the fact that they're going with the with with the whole storyline number one pick you know granted uh the Timberwolves didn't really do anything this season so why not give it to Edwards yeah I just I don't know I mean he did put up solid stats, 19.3 points, 4.7 rebounds, 2.9 assists. But, you know, for, for a, especially for a small forward, you kind of expect a little bit more. And actually, let me take a look exactly and see what Halliburton yeah. did. Oh, yeah, no, Halliburton shouldn't even be in the discussion. 13 points, three rebounds, and 5.3 assists as a point guard. I'm sorry, no, that shouldn't even be in the discussion. So, honestly, it's it's down to Edwards or LaMelo Ball. And 
but just looking at what Ball did this year before he got injured, 0.9 rebounds, 6.1 assists, he seems like the more well-rounded player. And the reason why, obviously, his points aren't as high as uh, as Edwards is the fact that, you know, rebounds and assists sort of play a factor in that as well, whereas Edwards focused more on scoring. I would yes. almost give the advantage to Ball, I think, here. I think I would, too. I mean, he's definitely the more well-rounded player, just from what from what from what we uh, what yeah. we see in the stats. And the MVP, you have Steph Curry, you got Joel Embiid, and you got Nikola Jokic. Yes. In all honesty, I think it's either going to be Embiid or Curry. Yeah, I misplaced the Joker. Hmm. Well, you know, there were moments this year where Jokic had the opportunity to lead his team, and there were seasons or there there were moments this year where he didn't really show MVP caliber. You know, because MVP is more uh, is 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 you know it's it's not just what you do on the court. You know, in terms of points but it's also how you carry yourself out there. And granted, he did almost average a triple-double this year, but right. a leader doesn't quit in yeah. games. Now, I could see them potentially giving it to Seth Curry because of the fact he did lead the league in points per game with 32 this year. But yeah. A big reason for that, obviously, is because, you know, there's not really any other shooters over on the, on the Golden State Warriors besides, you know, Clay Thompson when he's not injured. And he was out, obviously, the entire year this year. Uh, I could see them potentially giving it to, to Embiid, though, even though he doesn't have the amount of assists well, that, that Jokic does. He does have more. He does have close to the amount of points per game. Yes, and he does have a higher player efficiency rating, I think, too. So that usually plays a little bit of a factor. Actually, no, no, yo, you know what? No, it's probably going to be Jokic yeah. then, because usually when they do MV, MVPs, they go based off of stats most of the time. And Embiid has more points per game, but Jokic has more assists per game, and he has a higher, a slightly higher player efficiency rating. So I think those are obviously two things that they're going to be looking at here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's look at each series, Lou. Um Obviously, we'll start with Boston and Brooklyn. Uh, I, I don't think we would really expect this series to go on that long. No, probably not. I mean, honestly, I, I'm anticipating. I'm anticipating we're probably looking at a sweep here at the at the very, yeah. at, you know, at, at the uh, at the most maybe five games 
but Brooklyn, I think, is going to probably sweep them. Yeah. I think if the, if Jalen Brown wasn't injured and, you know, he was able to play, maybe it could be a potentially closer series. But, I mean, right now Brooklyn is – this is already a game one win for Brooklyn, 99 to 82 right now with two minutes left to go. So – and. Brooklyn is just way too strong and way loaded, way too loaded up for for Boston to contend with them, basically. How about Milwaukee and Miami, Lou? Uh, Milwaukee does lead the series yeah. one game to none, but it was a very close game. They were literally trading but, but, uh, they were trading yes. uh, baskets left and right. Can Miami come back in this series? Or granted, oh, and it's very hard to say that. It's very hard to say that with only one game having been played. Uh, but oh, absolutely. Do you think that there could be a potential upset that Miami, being the number six seed, can can top the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks here? Well, I do, I do, but I don't see it being a sweep though. But I think Miami is going to pull up this upset here. Oh no! It's not, it's not, it, it, well. It can't be a sweep because Miami lost Game One. So, uh, you know, I just I think it's going to be tough though if Milwaukee can get. It really it seemed like everything was landing for Milwaukee in today's game. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very tough if. If Milwaukee is still a, is is able to get everything to fall like they have, like like they did today, it's going to be tough for for Miami. Uh, probably gritty all the way all the way down to the to the very end for Miami. I do think they would be in a better spot though if Oladipo was healthy and didn't have to have uh, season-ending surgery. How about the New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks? Yeah, I like the way the Knicks are going. So uh, I would, I think they can do it in five games. Yeah, you know, I think. Like what I see here, I, 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 I agree. I agree with you. I do think the Knicks will win. I think it'll be either five or six games. I don't see it going seven, especially considering nope. how, Especially considering how uh, how Atlanta would often go on streaks this past season, you know, where they would have a streak of ba- a streak of good games followed by a streak of bad games. I think I think the the beginning of this series will tell an awful lot of what to expect for for the rest of the series. Yeah, you know, if it, if if it's if it's close in game one. You know, maybe this might be a series. However, if not, then I would the Knicks are probably going to have an easy time against Atlanta. How about Washington and Philadelphia? Could, could there be no. any way that Westbrook and Bradley Beal no can work no. some magic and upset? No, not at all. All right, I I would I I would I would have to agree with you there. I I think that Philly 
they're just clicking on all levels this year. And, you know, it, it really seems like after all these years of trusting the process that all they really needed was a better coach, mm-hmm. somebody who could actually get to the players. And that's exactly what Doc Rivers has done this year. So I wouldn't anticipate this being a, being a uh, a close series at all. Uh, what about the Phoenix Suns and the L.A. Lakers? No, L.A. is not the same as they were a year ago, even this year. Um, my surprise pick is living up to what they've been all year. So uh, I really don't see uh, the Lakers uh, having much having much uh, here. This is, this is I think is going to be the uh, the Suns series. Considering they just barely beat Golden State on a last-second three by LeBron, yeah, uh, you know it's very tough to go against LeBron, especially considering the fact that he's he's been known to put teams on his back. I mean, I would go with Phoenix here, but I would not be shocked at all if L.A. ends up uh, ends up turning on the Jets. I mean, they are kind mm-hmm. of missing a little bit of a little bit of uh, of postseason leadership off of their bench, considering Andre yeah. Drummond. He hasn't really Drummond hasn't really played in the postseason, and before that is. And they lost Rondo, uh, obviously, you know, this offseason to Atlanta, who now he's with the Clippers. You know, it's – I think it's going to be a lot tougher than people think that it's going to be for the Lakers. Yeah. To get past Phoenix. Because ever since Chris Paul came in, it really seems like Phoenix has connected on all levels. And it's like, it's like that was the one missing component to finally get Devin Booker to be on a winning team, mm-hmm. basically, after all these years. Uh, how about Denver uh, against Portland? Yeah, Denver. Yeah, I I agree. I think it will I, – I just think with, with them having Nikola Jokic plus Jamal Murray – and a couple of a couple of other players that that uh, comprise that Brooklyn or not Brooklyn that Denver core, you know, it's just going to be too much, I think, for uh, for CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard on Portland. I just think they'll sim- they're simply going to be outgunned in terms of uh, weapons, and plus, not to mention they got Eric Gordon now too, or not Eric Gordon, Aaron Gordon. Uh, the Clippers against the Mavericks. Can the Clippers come back from an early one nothing deficit? Wait, what was that? The 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 Clippers and the Mavericks. Oh. Can can the Clippers come back from an early one nothing deficit or? I don't know. We've seen this before. I think I'm going to go to the Mavericks here. Yeah, 
I, 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 I'm in agreement with you there, Lou. I think that the divaness of, uh, of Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard is basically what's going to be the downfall for the Clippers in this series because they brought in Kawhi Leonard because of the fact that he's been clutch in the playoffs in in the uh the years that he won that he won NBA titles with not just San Antonio but also with the Raptors and we just haven't seen that at all from him during his time in LA so far and with Dallas it just kind of seems like the more games that this that that Luka Doncic plays the better he gets every game even if he's putting up gigantic numbers anyways. Yeah. All right. How about Utah against Memphis? Um, no, I think I got to go with the favorite here. You know, this is where I, I'm going to say right now, Memphis, I think, is going to be my sleeper pick for the Western Conference because of uh, – you take a look at the competition they had to go through in the Western Conference. Yeah. Everybody was expecting the Spurs – or no, everybody was uh, – yeah, no, everybody was expecting the Spurs to beat them. Memphis beat, Memphis got past the Spurs. Everybody was expecting Golden State to beat Memphis, and yes. Memphis absolutely destroyed them. Mm-hmm. And by the way, uh, this is now final 104 yep. to 93. Brooklyn takes game one over the Boston Celtics. You know, it's with how Memphis has played down the stretch to end the season, and. The fact that they the fact that they absolutely manhandled Golden State. Yeah. I really think if there's a team that has the that has the best chance for an upset, it's gonna be the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, yeah, the Dallas Mavericks are fifth against against number four LA, but I don't really consider that much of an upset considering the fact that Dallas I mean, granted Granted, they have the they have the worst record, but I think Dallas yeah. is actually the better overall team than than the Clippers. So I wouldn't really consider that to be an upset. But Memphis against Utah, I think Utah may potentially sleep on Memphis, and that'll end up biting them in the ass, basically. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go into the NFL because right. we do have uh, we do have some some rumors floating around out there. Uh, first off, with Julio Jones, there's I been uh, there's been there's been rumors floating around that the Atlanta the Atlanta Falcons are shopping him. Uh, and one rumor in particular I'm kind of skeptical about because obviously yeah. this is coming from 
this is coming from a Boston a Boston source. So, you know, Boston sources, they've more often than not have proven to be wrong. But it, from, from all indications, it kind of sounds like uh, Julio Jones wants to play with Cam Newton and the New, the New England Patriots. Yeah. And the Patriots are one of the teams that are uh that are weighing the options on whether or not to to pursue a trade uh for Julio Jones. And actually there have been some write-ups that I've looked at that have said that it it, it almost seems like it's like it's the best fit for Jones. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the other teams that is uh, in the running is the Arizona Cardinals, and from all indications, uh, DeAndre Hopkins he was asked flat out on Twitter if he would restructure his deal if it meant bringing Julio Jones to to Arizona, and without hesitation, Hopkins said yes. So that's one big thing that Arizona could have going for them if they're if they're able to restructure Hopkins if Hopkins is willing to take less money to uh, to bring in Julio Jones because right now it looks like all of the rumors are focused around the Patriots if Arizona can bring him in to replace Larry Fitzgerald who looks like he's probably going to retire yeah. I mean that's one hell of a scary offense. Yeah. That Kyler Murray has to throw to now. If they if they're able to to acquire Julio Jones. Uh other teams that have been linked to Jones as well, the Chargers are one of those teams. The uh the Indianapolis Colts are a team that have been linked to Jones. As well as, believe it or not, the Dallas Cowboys have been linked as a potential option. Right. As well as the Tennessee Titans, where Julio Jones was reportedly uh, reportedly working out with Derrick Henry earlier this week wow. uh, during off-season workouts. So, what are what are your thoughts here, Lou? Uh, do you think it's it's you know serious talk that's going on that the Atlanta Falcons are actively looking to trade Julio Jones or yeah I think is they this are. more or, or or is this more of uh, of of rent, you know regular off season rumors that normally come up. No, no, I think it's legit here. I think I think they are looking to trade him. Oh, I think it's, I think we've seen his last days in that in that area. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, what's kind of surprising though is that they're you know they trade Kyle Pitts, or I mean not trade Kyle Pitts, they draft Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Thinking, okay, you know, we're gonna have this this huge offense this year with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts, 
for Matt Ryan to throw to, and now all of a sudden you're going to get rid of Julio Jones? I mean, it just doesn't it doesn't add up, basically. No. So another thing is maybe could this be this? The only thing I can think of is this is more of a salary issue. Right. That the fact the fact that you know he's he's uh he's on the hook I think for sixty six million dollars uh through three years uh-huh. for three more years so and the from what I've read if uh if he gets traded after June first uh the cap hit his cap hit would only be fifteen million dollars, like fifteen point six yeah. mil or something like that. Right. So basically, he would be more attractive for a post June first trade, uh, for not just any other team that acquires him, but also for the team, uh, you know, for yeah. the Atlanta Hawks or uh, Atlanta Falcons that trade him. Right. So, what what do you think, Lou? Who who would you see? And also, the Baltimore Ravens are one of the uh, rumored uh, teams in on Jones as well. Uh, who do you see as the most likely option to uh, to acquire Jones? Because I mean, you got the you got the page, you got the Patriots, you got the Ravens, you got, got the Chargers, the Colts. I think they you got go the, the Cowboys. Ravens. Uh, they've got enough already. I mean, I can agree. I can agree with that. I think that uh, the Ravens, he would be an upgrade uh, immediately to their offense, to their uh, wide receiver core, and. You know, it would. The only thing. The only thing is, does. You know, will will the Ravens be able to make it work money wise though? Mm. That's the big question. Would it, would they be able to make it work money wise, or? Because you know there would have to be other moves that would potentially have to happen in order for them to fit his salary in. Yeah. Oh, and also add another team to the mix, the 49ers as well are in yeah. the, uh, are in the mix as well. But Yeah, it's, uh, uh, one of the things that has come out here, according to Mike Giardi of NFL Network, says here that the New England Patriots are considering making a strong push to trade for Julio Jones. Mm. 32 years old, Jones, uh, he's been pretty healthy throughout his entire career. The only time that he's really missed 
playing time was last year due to injury. But for the most part, he's been – like, he – let me let me look at the let me go down to the stats there real quick. Yeah. From from twenty fourteen to twenty nineteen, he had he didn't have any less than one thousand three hundred and ninety four yards per season in each of those seasons. Mm-hmm. And throughout his NFL career so far, from to, from two thousand eleven to 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 now. He's had a total of 60 touchdowns, his best season being in 2012, uh, touchdown-wise. He's had 60 touchdowns. He's caught over 1,896 yards worth of passes, actually 848 catches total for the Atlanta Falcons, uh, with an average, a career average of 15.2 yards per catch. Um and an average of 95.5 yards per game as well. So there's definitely, you know, actually the his season he had this past season was the shortest season that he had had since his third year in the league when he was taken out after five games uh, due to, let me double check. I believe it was an ACL. Actually, no, he was injury plagued in all of 20, uh, 2013. He dealt with multiple injuries that uh, included a fractured foot that only limited him to just five games yeah. in 2013. So, you know, for the most part, he has been a healthy player. So even at the age of 32, I, you know, I I guarantee you, if he had, if if he had played a full season last year, he would have had more than just 771 yards and three touchdowns. However, that could that low amount could also be attributed to the fact that uh, Calvin Ridley has pretty much become the number one option for Matt Ryan because of the fact that he plays the slot. So it should be interesting to see uh, what's going to go on with, with Julio Jones here, because obviously any, any move that's going to take place, it will be after June 1st, because obviously that's the, the least amount of of money of uh, of cap space basically that would uh that a team would have to take on with it being a post June first uh, acquisition. Uh, let's see here. We also had a oh, actually, let me bring in JB here. Uh, JB, you're you're joining us. Uh, you're joining. You're joining Lou and I uh, with just a minute remaining before we go into overtime. Here, uh, we've been talking about uh, not just the NHL and NBA playoffs, but uh, we just went into a into a uh, NFL discussion uh, 
uh, with, involving Julio Jones. Uh, have you been Have you been paying attention at all, JB, to uh, all the different stuff around the league? No, I haven't really. And it's not like oh. I called. And it's not like I called in tonight just to you know talk about uh, UFC. You know, I I called just yeah. to listen to what's going on. Oh no, I'm not. I, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, JB. Um, yeah. You know, I'm just. I'm just looking to continue the, the discussion. You know, I'm not saying. You know, you called in just right. to just to talk about the UFC. You know, I was. I was wondering if you had. Uh, if you had paid attention at all to uh, to the Julio Jones stuff because it's something that has just recently popped up. You know, to where after being a Atlanta Falcon for pretty much his entire career, you know, Julio Jones is now in all, in, all indications are that he's probably moving elsewhere this off season from what it sounds like. Yeah. Huh. Where do you think he'll go to? Well, you know, there's uh we, we uh we discussed we discussed this a few minutes ago uh Lou thinks that he may be headed to the Ravens cuz it would be an upgrade uh to their wide receiver core uh yeah i honestly think you know the the patriots they've been uh one of the the most popular team i should say that has been thrown out there in reports uh considering the fact that Julio Jones apparently wants to play with Cam Newton, and my response to that is, why does he want to play with Cam Newton when we don't even know if Newton's going to even be able to get him the ball? Because you know, apparently, apparently nowadays Newton can't throw any uh, any further than ten than ten yards. Uh, you know, you sure the, it's ten uh, yards. Also, <laughs> okay, no, ten feet. Ten feet. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's probably more. That's probably more of an accurate description, uh, considering what he did last year. Uh, but also, the uh, the San Francisco Forty ers are rumored, as well as the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins actually is. Uh, he was asked point blank by a fan on Twitter if he would be willing to restructure his deal, if it meant bringing in Julio Jones and without hesitation, he said, yes. Uh, So Arizona's a team to look at. Uh, They also have the Dallas Cowboys as a, as a rumored option. Um, The LA chargers apparently are are a, are a huge option as well to get a uh, to get another weapon for their young uh, their young rookie uh, well no longer a rookie uh, their young quarterback Justin Herbert uh, you know there's a whole bunch of different options that have been that have been presented I just you know with with New England basically being the dominating the dominating uh, team being talked about right now when it comes to the rumors, it just seems too good to be true, basically. 
it almost seems like they want to get back to uh, the Brady, uh, you know, kind of era without the well, without I mean, Brady. I mean, it would kind of make sense, though, when you think about the kind of offseason they've had. I mean, Lou, yeah. Lou, wouldn't you wouldn't you think wouldn't you think Lou with how with how aggressive the Patriots have been this offseason, not just in free yes. agent signings, but also in the draft. You know, the fact that they went for a quarterback first round. Uh, they went for they went for players who who in college were known to be uh, to be top competitors in right. each of the rounds that they were drafted in. You know, with them being uncharacteristically aggressive this offseason, wouldn't it make sense for them to kind of continue that way and and, and yes, absolutely. acquiring somebody the likes of uh, of Julio Jones? Yes, I would believe that. I would believe that. I mean, that really seems like pretty, pretty much yeah. Uh, you know, it, it 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 wouldn't really make sense for them to be this aggressive like they have been, and then all of a sudden, you know, decide, okay, we're done for for the off season this year. We're fine with with our our uh, wide receiver core of Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. And Jacoby Myers being our top three guys, I just don't mm-hmm. see that being the case. Yeah, yeah. I don't hear. Uh, we do have an update on Deshaun Watson, uh, as this just came out yesterday after several weeks of silence in the litigation against Deshaun Watson. Uh-huh. Uh, there has been a new thing that has come out where basically it's been known that uh, Rusty Harden, who is the lawyer for Deshaun Watson, said that for any eventual, for any potential, uh, you know, deal in this, uh, in this lawsuit, for any potential settlement, Watson and Harden would want full transparency uh, for everything. However, now Busby and the 22 people that are suing Watson want confidentiality, apparently. They want confidentiality. They don't want anything to come out from this from this settlement involving, you know, involving, you know, the numbers, uh, you know, how much they settled for and any other stuff. Now, normally, normally the plaintiffs in this case being, you know, uh, in the, in this case being uh, Busby and the, and the 22 accusers, Usually they're not the ones that seek confidentiality. Using the usually the ones that seek confidentiality are the defendants, the people that are being sued. 
in a regular case. I mean, I at least in in my opinion, I find it kind of odd that you know, Buzz, uh, you know, the twenty two clients all of a sudden now want confidentiality, while Watson right. wants everything out there on the table. To me, it kind of seems like this sort of leads more credence to Watson being innocent Mm. and to this basically being a money grab because if Watson was hiding something, he wouldn't want full transparency like he, like, uh, like they're reporting here. You know, if you're, if you're hiding something, you would want something to stay hidden and it's clear from what from what has come out recently, you know, Watson clearly has nothing to hide here. So let's start, you know, let's start with you, Lou. What what do you think about about this uh about this lawsuit with the with the plaintiff or the uh the people accusing Watson wanting yeah. confidentiality after all this? And Watson says he wants full transparency. 23 cases and going up every day. I mean, you know, it just gets hard. It just gets more weird and weird every every day. So I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be too surprised at all. This is just, I mean, it just gets getting worse. I mean, JB, doesn't it seem fishy? who are accusing Watson of of sexual misconduct and sexual assault want everything covered up while Watson wants everything out there in the open yeah it's it's i don't know it's it's hard to you know it it's hard to say you know it you know would i you know if i if I was him would I want the same thing and it's like, you know, uh, I get, I, I probably, I probably would. Yeah. Just to, just to get my uh, name, uh, just to get my name out of the whole, uh, you know, garbage bag. Garbage bag. <laughs> so now, what it says, what it says here, uh, according to Pro Football Talk. So basically, usually the defendant in civil litigation wants and pays for confidentiality. It's rare for the defendant to insist that everything be disclosed. It's even more rare for the plaintiff to want everything, including the settlement amount, to never be known. The fact that the two sides haggled over whether the settlement will be treated as confidential always also carries a strong implicit message. There's no reason to fuss over the confidentiality of a settlement if a settlement isn't on the verge of happening. So, in other words, the parties quite possibly had a tentative deal as to the amount that Watson would pay each of the 22 accusers before the negotiations went haywire on the issue of confidentiality. And also, the fact confidentiality also implies that the amounts that Watson tentatively agreed to pay – we're nothing to brag about. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Basically, to me, to me, this just kind of seems like the women are trying to get money out of them. And yeah, that's basically what it looks like. It's just like you know, it's all, it's all, it's all for money. Trying to be you know, famous, it may have been the so. little, it may have been the littlest, the littlest thing. You know, maybe he never, may, you know, maybe maybe he never sexually assaulted them or had any kind of sexual misconduct. No. But each of these women saw the littlest thing. Like maybe maybe he really did get a he maybe he really did want a naked massage or whatever, and they got insulted by the fact that he stripped in front of them. Yes. And yeah. Considering yeah. considering the fact that this lawyer saw saw all these women with similar cases, and he saw right. he probably saw dollar signs in his eyes, basically. Right. On that note, gentlemen, I have to uh, take my leave because I'm getting ready to do another show, but I'll be back next week. All right, All right Lou. Hey, thank you for thank you for calling in tonight. Okay. Right, I'll be back. All right. Yeah, JB, it just seems kind of weird to me, you know, that it's almost like the Antonio Brown situation, you know, where yeah. he became – he he signed that big deal with Oakland back when they were still the Oakland Raiders. And then all of a sudden he leaves Oakland and there's no lawsuit that's even filed there. He signs a deal with the New England Patriots and it's almost like right immediately when he signed with New England, all of a sudden the accuser decided, well, now I'm going to sue him. And it's almost like if you're going to sue him, why didn't you sue him when he signed that massive deal with the Raiders as opposed to, you know, signing with the Patriots? And you could probably say that with any uh, other kind of uh, women that – that do this also. Yeah. Sometimes they wait. Sometimes they don't know uh, if they'll get any flack. Uh, And I can see their, uh, I can see their point, but sometimes you just, sometimes it, it seems like they just wait. So, you know, a little bit too long. And this is just my opinion. And if there's any women out there, you know, I'm sorry if I offended you. But it seems oh, yeah. like, well, ha- hang on, let me let me play the disclaimer one more uh, one more time here, just for those who who may be listening to this podcast here. Warning: the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. So obviously, you know, we all have our different opinions about this. You know, I, I still kind of, I kind of feel myself that, you know, maybe something really did happen 
but it's nowhere near the level of where they're suing him for, basically. And maybe they need a lawyer to uh, sue uh, because these lawyers are smart enough where they might, uh, you know, they might talk and, uh, you know, behind closed doors and say, hey, look, why don't we, uh, you know, here's a... um, Here's a, a proposal. You know, we'll we'll get we'll uh, knock it down to, you know, something. Uh, your, your, you know, your guy won't uh, to uh, you know go go to uh, uh, jail. Uh, we'll make it so that uh, you know it's oh, what do they call it? Like, uh, you know, sealed so nobody, uh, you know, so nobody else actually knows. The only ones that know are, you know, the lawyers and the uh, yeah. defendants and the, uh, uh, gosh darn it, my head, is, my, my brain just, it, it just came out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it just seems it just seems odd that you know usually it's the usually the defendants want everything or the defendants want everything kept hidden, and the fact that it's everything has basically done a a complete 180 in this situation where Watson wants everything out there in the open and the, the accusers, honestly, let's not, let's put it this way. It's probably not even the accusers. It's probably the lawyer that wants everything kept hidden. Yeah. To me, it just screams that the women don't really have much of a case to present and that they're just looking for money because the fact that this is the first bit of an update that we've gotten in the past couple of weeks I mean that should say something the fact that they How many haven't w- really gotten any update they haven't really gotten any progress basically how many women are we talking about I'm I'm not 22. familiar with this. Wow. 22. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, I was just going to say, you know, this is uh this would be a case that, uh, you know, for uh, Gloria Allred. <laughs> yeah. It, and JB, oh, it, I mean, some of the, if you were to hear some of the uh, some of the accusations that have been thrown out in this case, uh, one of them in particular was one of the women was reportedly so scared during the assault that she, or during the attempted assault that she shat herself and then passed out out of out of fear. 
of being sexually assaulted by by him. No joke. That was literally what was said by by uh, the lawyer about one of the accusers. Wow. That she passed out from fear and allegedly shat herself. And there's other things too. It's it it it, it was almost like a you would almost think you were a part of a Monty Python sketch with with uh, some of the accusations that were being thrown out there during. Uh, in regards to this lawsuit. Yeah, and I I don't want to say they're funny, but some some of them are just they're just weird, they're just not your normal you know uh they're not accusations believable. that you'd hear from uh you know, from any other uh woman. Yeah, they're not believable. They, I mean, you know, maybe they are true. Maybe they could be believable, but it's just it just uh-huh. doesn't sound believable. It sounds like they're trying to make they're trying to create as much of what they feel is a believable thing that could that that could you know get them money out of this out of this whole uh, ordeal. That's just honestly what it sounds like, and you know, for all for all indications, maybe I'm wrong, but you know, it's it's kind of hard to believe after the you know after everything. the The fact that this is literally the first update in almost a month that we've gotten out of this story. And I hate and I hate to say it, but it seems like that's always uh well not always, but I'd say I'd say it's like ninety five percent uh of the time. It's always uh you know, the women will come out and they'll, you know, say blah 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 and then they'll recant, like maybe Oh, a month or two later. Yeah, usually they'll recant because of pressure, because of pressure forced on them probably by the uh, by people who are connected to the uh, to the person being accused. Or maybe his lawyer is saying, "There's no way we're going to," uh, you know. Uh, we're going to go this way, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's go to court and, uh, you know, see what comes about, see what comes about. You know, I am kind of surprised actually that none of these women have recanted. So maybe something really did actually happen. And then a lot of times when these, uh, uh, you know, when it comes out, let's, let's go to court and, uh, you know, uh, you know, let it all, uh, you know, let it all spill out. And these women say, well, or their law, and it might be their lawyers too that might be telling them, hey, you know, if you get put on the stand and everything like this, uh, you know, whatever you say is going to be, 
Oh, what do they call it? It's going to be uh, public knowledge. Yeah, basically, that they would they you would, know. they 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 couldn't lie in court, basically. Right. Or else they would face uh, they would face charges for lying under oath. And his lawyer might be saying, uh, you know, hey, uh, you know, if you lie under court, you could uh, you can go to jail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I say, well. Uh, I did I did say this on Thursday night's show. Uh, there is one thing, uh, a little bit of a rant I'm going to go on here, uh, and it has to do with the most recent WWE event that they had, uh, WWE WrestleMania Backlash. Uh, they had JV. You you know, there's been some. We've seen it happen in other sports where there's been some sort of cross-promotion thing. Like, you know, maybe NASCAR does something with with baseball or football or something. You know, maybe they'll have some football stars be the the grand marshal at NASCAR. And... With NASCAR, you know, maybe they'll have somebody throw out the first pitch at a baseball game or or be the uh, ceremonial coin toss uh, representative or something like that. So Yeah, Biden will come promotion. out. Biden will go out there and make the uh, ceremonial first pitch for, like, the uh, all-star game or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, cross promotion cross promotion isn't something that's, you know, new basically. <sighs> then there's this shit that took that took place at WrestleMania Backlash with a match that was a lumberjack match between Damian Priest and the Miz with John Morrison. Now the night was Sponsored by Netflix and uh, Zack Snyder's new movie Army of the Dead, which, by the way, I have seen. It's a it's a good zombie film for anybody who's interested in and has seen any of Zack Snyder's previous works. It's not as good as Dawn of the Dead, but it's still a good film. Uh, I mean, I get it if you're going to do cross promotion. Like maybe they would have done something where they had. Uh, like a comedy bit or something where maybe one of the wrestlers, R-Truth, who is the 24-7 champion, maybe he'd be running away from, from zombies or something looking to get his 24-7 title, which basically can be defended at any point in time. At any point in time in the night, he could lose the, he could lose the title without ever uh, having to be in an official match, basically. Um, he could get pinned like in the locker room or something like that. You know, maybe they would do something with zombies where, where he would, it would be a comedic moment basically. And, you know, that would have been fine. That would have been fine enough for a cross promotion. Uh, the WWE, by the way, got paid $1 million apparently by Netflix for this to, for them to do what they did, uh, this past Sunday. So 
the match was a lumberjack match between Damian Priest and The Miz with John Morrison in The Miz's corner. And they had zombies as lumberjacks. And, okay, lumberjacks, the, you know, the, the thing for the lumberjacks is it's supposed to keep both competitors inside the ring without, you know, there being potential for a count out or disqualification or something like that. What pissed me off is I understand this is a whole thing about cross-promotion and, you know, zombies, you know, the whole thing about zombies is they're supposed to eat people and bite people and shit like that. They did this some sort of stunt with John Morrison where he's actively trying to avoid the zombies. He does some sort of parkour shit that he's known for, which is fine. Then they have them act as if he's going to get eaten at ringside where he gets dragged underneath the barrier. (laughs) And then they have the Miz lose to Damian Priest and the zombies come in and quote unquote eat the Miz. (laughs) Oh, shit. And to me, it just seems, I mean, I've seen some stupid shit in wrestling over the years since, <laughs> I've, since, I, since I became a fan in 2001, 2002. I mean, I have seen some, some stupid shit. I mean, hell, there was even back in the day before I was even a fan. I've seen it since on the uh, WWE Network, and it's been infamously known amongst fans when, May, when, when uh, Mark Henry, the world's strongest man, had a relationship, storyline relationship with Mae Young, who was old as shit and probably one of the oldest women to have ever been on WWF slash WWE programming. Uh, An elderly woman gave birth to a hand. I mean, back then in the the, uh, Attitude Era, you know, they were known for – Stupid moments like that, that it was all about the shock factor and comedy factor and shit like that. That's fine. You know, it it was part of a storyline also. And it gave Mark Henry something to do. This had nothing to do with a storyline. And this was all about WWE basically making money off of the fact that one of their former wrestlers is part of this movie on Netflix and Netflix basically paid them to incorporate zombies into the night or into the pay-per-view. And I'm wondering if, could this have been a bit of an audible that was called maybe because reportedly Miz supposedly tore his ACL in the middle of the match when uh, Damian Priest stepped on his leg when he landed awkwardly. And there's... Uh, I'm kind of wondering if an audible was called where maybe they were supposed to do something different and they ended up having to write The Miz off of television by having him, quote-unquote, get eaten by zombies. 
even though technically the same thing happened to John Morrison, and yet he wrestled the very next night. Uh, I mean, JB, if you if you were to have seen it, I mean, I did post I did post the uh, the video uh, on Monday, I think, in Sports Whispers, and it was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in uh, you know in all my years of watching professional wrestling. And, you know, they said that AEW's blood and guts match set the business back 30 years because of the fact that uh, the fall from the top of the cage looked so fake and the fact that he basically looked like he landed on cardboard, essentially, or, <laughs> or padding, to where, padding to where it would look very easy to the fans that wrestling was fake, which let's be perfectly honest. If you don't think wrestling is fake now, uh, I mean, like obviously, you know, the moves are real, but you know, the matches are predetermined and all that shit. Uh, you know, there is something wrong with you. If you don't think that wrestling is fake. Yeah. Or and what they call it. Entertainment. <laughs> Entertain, yeah, yeah. In quote, in quotation, <laughs> entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! I you know, saw AEW, some. I... Go ahead. I saw I saw some uh, YouTube videos of uh, this is going back probably about God twenty five thirty years. John Stossel was uh, talking to uh, Dr. D, David Schultz, about uh, wrestling, wrestling, uh, I think it was WWE at the, or no, uh, WWF at the time. And uh, he was saying about. At the time it would have been WWF. Yeah, about how uh, you know wrestling is fake, and he was smacked. He smacked John Stossel and smacked him to the ground. He says, "How how fake is that?" <laughs> I mean, it was funny. I had I had to I had to laugh. I had to belly laugh too. You know, how fake is that? And he smacked him again, knocked him on his butt. How fake is that? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, what would what would probably be the most fake about it is the fact that you know the storylines, you know, this guy hates this guy, and so on and so forth. You yeah. know, that's just a storyline. It's not like they really hate each other in real life and stuff like that. Although there are some situations that you know storylines may have actually been made up based on actual personal life. You know, it, it has happened in the past where. Uh, a storyline carried over from not just the personal life uh, that carried over from their personal lives onto the actual screen. Um, but, you know, there's, uh, there's more overemphasis, I should say. Like when, when somebody gets kicked in like the jaw or something, you hear like this, it will almost sounds like a clap. And what that is, is basically the wrestler slapped their thigh as they're doing the kick to make it sound yeah. more to make it sound like a like a bigger impact 
more than it actually is. Or they'll stomp on the uh, mat at yeah. the same time as they, uh, you know, kick this guy, and you think, oh, my God, <laughs> he really hit yeah. him. He really kicked him. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, I understand the whole cross-promotion shit and the fact that it's supposed to be entertainment, but, you know, they said AEW's Blood and Guts, which was basically like a War Games-style thing that they did in WCW and that they've been doing in NXT for the past couple of years. Uh, They said, uh, a source in WWE said that that supposedly set set the wrestling industry back 30 years uh, with the blood and guts thing that AEW did. And then you, they have the audacity to say that. And then they go do it. They go and do this stupid zombies thing by having the Miz and John Morrison get eaten by zombies. Then the Miz doesn't appear the next night, but yet John Morrison does. Okay. If blood and guts didn't set, if, if blood and guts set back the industry by 30 years, what the fuck did that thing do the the previous night yeah i don't know i mean i understand the cross promotion but there's there's different ways they could have done that cross promotion and the fact that it literally had nothing to do with the storyline whatsoever It was just, oh, the Miz gets eaten by zombies. Okay, what does that have to do with the with the current story that's going on between him and Damian Priest? You know, it it had absolutely nothing to do with it. Although I guess that's their way of writing him off of television because of the fact that now he's going to have to have surgery. He's going to be out for a year practically uh, due to a probable torn ACL. So, you know, it's just, I honestly feel that, yeah, you got paid a million dollars to to promote the movie, but you could have done it in a much different way. In a more professional way. I mean, hell, I mean, hell, they did one thing when they were promoting uh, ECW on sci-fi, when WWE brought back ECW. And they got a deal with the Sci-Fi Network to, uh, you know, to for them to uh, carry the ECW show for for one to two hours every week, and they promoted it by having these weird gimmick matches where Sandman, uh, an ECW legend from all the way back in early the early years of ECW. He would come out. Uh, there was one one night that he would he would be facing off against, ironically enough, a zombie, and he would Singapore cane or he would he would hit him with a Singapore cane. He would knock the shit out of the zombie, basically, until the Singapore cane, you know, busted apart, essentially. You know, that was the way of promoting the fact that they were on sci-fi. The fact that, you know, they had Sandman face off against a zombie or Sandman against against uh, a mummy, I think, was one, uh, was one week as well. You know, there's ways that you can promote something without it being 
damaging to the product. And in all honesty, that was that was damaging to their product. Because now, you know, you're going to have these fans that may not know any better, that may believe that wrestling is real and shit like that, uh, like these little kids. You know, how are you going to explain Miz coming back in nine months uh, after he had supposedly gotten killed by zombies? <laughs> well, killed, yeah, same thing. But you know what I mean? It's like, how are you going to how how are you going to explain that? to people who may not even know that wrestling, you know, that wrestling is predetermined and everything. And, uh, these are storylines, you know, uh, these people don't really hate each other in real life and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. It's like, how do you explain that? It doesn't, Uh, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever the fact that they had to do that when all they could have done is all, all they really had to do to, to have the advertisement is by doing something stupid with the 24 seven title, which honestly, I thought that's what they were going to do. I thought they were going to do something stupid and have our truth basically get chased by zombies or something in the backstage area. And that would have been the advertisement. Instead, they they decide to go this route by having not just the Miz, but also John Morrison basically get attacked by zombies uh, who were lumberjacks. One of the zombies actually being played by Scotty Tuhati, a former uh, a former WWE wrestler for many years. Um, and all this just because you guys got paid a million dollars to advertise this. Uh, this film. Hmm. You know, it just... I don't know. From, I mean, I guess from a business perspective, it makes sense, but it's, you know, it, it's just, you're, you're basically making a mockery of The Miz, essentially. Because now you're going to have to somehow find a way to bring him back once he's officially healthy and these people are going to remember that the last image they saw of him was him getting eaten alive by zombies, basically. Yeah. All right, we do yeah, you have wonder. an, up- I'm an sorry, update. I forget what I was going to say now. Well, we do have an update on the Jake Paul situation. Um, obviously, uh, the last time we saw Jake Paul, apart from his fixed fight, uh, was Floyd Mayweather, the, the Floyd Mayweather, uh, and Logan Paul, uh, press conference that was being done. Uh, Jake Paul basically ended up stealing Floyd Mayweather's hat, uh, and then he got the shit kicked out of him by, by Mayweather. Um, <laughs> and I mean, he ended up losing. A, he ended up chipping uh, and having a pretty big black eye as a result of of uh, the scuffle that happened afterwards. 
Uh, but Jake Paul has now reportedly signed a multi-fight deal with Showtime after, uh, after honestly fighting what looked to be a fixed fight against Ben Askren. With, I mean, it's, I, I just don't, I, 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 and not just that, but also Triller is going after, they're apparently suing all of these major streaming sites uh, for, I think the total was like a hundred, a hundred million dollars or something uh, for allegedly streaming the, uh, the, the fight. And not just that, they also went after uh, the H3H3 podcast, which can be seen on YouTube. Um, Although the guy was pretty stupid in pretty much admitting to the fact that he basically uh, pirated the, uh, the fight and he encouraged other people to pirate the fight as well. You know, it... I mean, you would think that Triller would have learned from from uh, you know Napster's fight against uh, against Metallica all those years ago. You know, when it came, when it came to pirating music and shit like that, you know, Metallica wasn't able to get that uh, wasn't able to win that against Napster, even though they got Napster closed down. You know. Pirating is still going on even to this day. Uh, oh, I now, know. Apparently, now apparently, uh, Triller is going after all these major major stream sites, as well as supposedly they're going to go after two million uh, people who supposedly watched the fight illegally as well. However, that sounds like. They, uh... That sounds like Dana White going after these guys that are, uh, you know, illegally, uh, you know, streaming uh, these uh, pay-per-view fights. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? That's another thing, too. If here, Here's why I don't think this is going to work. Because if you, could, if you could get all of that information on people, Dana White would have done it a long time ago. When he was yeah. going after when he was going after streamers like he did, Dana White would have. I mean, Dana was asked about about what he thought about the uh, the Triller event, and the first thing that he said was, "There's no way they got that amount of uh, that amount of views or that amount of uh, pay per view buys." He they said they got 1.5 million buys or something like that. And Dana White said there's absolutely no way whatsoever they got 1.5 million buys for that piece of shit, as he, as he, as yeah. he said it. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, he's got this whole other thing going on with Triller now where supposedly Dana has blocked GSP from uh, participating in a boxing match against, uh, against Oscar De La Hoya. A drunk Oscar De La Hoya, probably. Um, yeah. You know, 
basically he called Triller a fucking joke last week. And, <laughs> you know, I think he was He's... sort of, I think he was sort of throwing a little bit of a jab against them also for the lawsuit too. Without it, without flat out saying it. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I did read somewhere where didn't uh, WMR Sports get uh, sued by Dana White? Well, no, they didn't exactly get sued. They got basically a cease and desist, and basically okay. they they had a uh, agreement back then that they would no longer uh, they would no longer stream the. You know, they would no longer stream the fights back then. And I and I and I, I know it was probably, you know, a long time ago. How long I you know, I really don't know. But it was just something that uh forget who I uh saw I it re- from. I do remember that story though. I remember it uh all the way back then getting uh getting brought up it was uh the guy you know the guy who owned the site doesn't even own it anymore so um okay as far as i know though i don't think he i don't think he uh he saw any jail time i don't think i think it was more of a uh it was more of a thing where they basically ultimately agreed to a cease and desist order where keep in mind, this was back when UFC wasn't at the heights that they're at now, you know? Right. And compared, compared to other streaming sites, WMR was no, was nowhere near, the level that you're looking at other streaming sites now, you know, like, uh, hang on, I'll, let me bring up the lawsuit that Triller has put up here, uh, which, by the way, Triller is apparently offering one month of amnesty uh, for anyone who illegally streamed the fight uh, by saying that. If you pay us the fifty the fifty dollars that you would have had to pay in order to have purchased the fight legally, uh, we'll remove you from this lawsuit uh, and stuff like that. Which apparently it's drawn a whole lot of criticism from not just MMA fighters but also boxing fighters alike. Because let's face it, a majority of the people who pirated the uh, thing are probably Jake Paul fans, you know, like uh, like teenagers uh, who follow him on YouTube and shit like that. And one fighter, uh, I believe it was Lennox, maybe it was Lennox Lewis, I forget who exactly it was, but he was like, do you really think these little teenagers have the $50? Really? Yeah, really. But 
I mean, th- you know, this isn't the first lawsuit that Triller has been a part of, though, though, because Triller has been sued by TikTok. They've been sued by a whole bunch of different things for uh, for infringe for patent infringement and shit like that. So this isn't the first time that they've actually uh, they've actually you know uh, gone to court. And actually, the original lawsuit that they filed against all these streaming sites was thrown out of court because supposedly Triller uh, didn't bring any, you know, any solid uh, facts to the judge. You know, they didn't provide any, any proof, basically. So is Triller a streaming uh, site or what is it? It's basically it's basically TikTok, but it's another version of TikTok basically. Except it's it's also used as it's real hard to explain. You know, okay, it's, don't it's explain TikTok, it. <laughs> It's it's like it's like TikTok, but they also have pay-per-views. They got uh, like you can watch music concerts and stuff. You can buy, purchase music concerts and shit like that on there. It's you know so, something. Honestly, the this was the first I had ever even heard of Triller. To be perfectly honest, uh huh. And I didn't know so, if you knew what uh, Triller was because I thought Triller. Never even heard of Triller. <laughs> but you know, they did. They did name a whole bunch of different uh, a whole bunch of different websites that had. Uh, I mean, in the in the grand scheme of things, a WMR is basically nowhere near the same level as some of these websites. So, you know, obviously they're going to go after the bigger, the bigger websites that would be costing them more, you know, more right. money, basically. And I think ever since you uh, sent me that uh, uh, link in uh, – what was it? In uh, Facebook, I've been using that uh, free streams. Yeah, well, it's – you know, it's – Hang on, I gotta find that. I forget what site I used to look up the uh, the lawsuit stuff, um, but I do know they had to refile the lawsuit because they basically, first off, they want they want Google and YouTube to unmask all these people that illegally watched the fight and basically it basically it's like telling a vpn to 
break their, you know, to to break their um, their contract with people that purchase VPNs and basically give away information. When yet usually with a VPN, all people who use VPNs, you know, that information is all encrypted and stuff like that, you know. Right. And usually, uh, at least as far as I know, you know, there are some VPN services that, uh, you know, once that information is encrypted, it ends up getting erased anyways. Hmm. So I never, I never did get into that uh, VPN thing. Maybe well, I should. A, but... VPN, a VPN is good if, like, say, for example, you wanted to watch Big Brother Canada, but you know you don't watch, you you don't live in Canada, so you're not able to watch it because you have to be exclusively a part of, uh, you know, a, uh, you have to exclusively live in Canada in order to watch it. Uh, right. You could watch it if you if you had a VPN, basically. Okay. So that's a way that you'd be able to do it, basically. Um, now, Triller Fight Club, they have said that uh, their promoter, Ryan Kavanaugh, has said he is willing to donate $1 million to charity if the UFC does allow a proposed boxing match between GSP and the drunk Oscar De La Hoya uh, to happen <laughs> here. Which, in all honesty, I just don't see why that should even happen to begin with. I know De La Hoya is looking to, looking to uh, you know, looking to to have a comeback. But I mean, going close to fifty years old, I mean, come on. Uh, to me, it just screams of an event potentially being fixed sort of like the uh you know the Roy Jones Jr. Mike Tyson fight when they ruled it yeah. a draw even though it was very clear that uh you know it was very clear that Tyson won the fight but yet they ruled it a draw when yeah, they were probably going to uh, rule it a draw anyway how that was beginning. a draw is uh, beyond me yeah exactly so, and also, I still feel that Ben Askren did did pull a did a commit a dive basically. <laughs> and he got paid five hundred thousand dollars to do so, basically, for that fight. And I'll have to uh, read this, but I just saw it right now on. Uh... Uh, sports whispers about Oscar De La Hoya wants to fight Dana White, and it's like, man, jeez, oh. <laughs> his, so, drun- his drunk geez. ass, his his drunk ass needs to sit the fuck down. God, I mean Dana White, one punch and boom, he's he'd be gone. But anyways, that's it for us tonight. Uh, we're Approaching the uh, the end of the overtime here, 
Uh, thank you to everybody for tuning in. Yep. Uh, a reminder, uh, this upcoming Thursday night, we will have uh, the rankings of the top survivor seasons of all time. Uh, if you haven't listened to listened to our rankings of the top males or females of all time yet, please do so by going to blogtalkradio.com slash missyae or by subscribing to the Missy AE podcast uh, on iTunes where you'll get access to not just all of, all of these shows, but all of our previous interviews as well. Uh, thank you, JB, for joining me tonight. Thank you to Lou for joining me. Uh, for Sports Whispers Weekly, we will be back next Saturday night. But other than that, if you're a fan of Survivor, feel free to join us next Thursday or this upcoming Thursday night for the top 10 survivor seasons of all time. At 